You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com. Hey, Stev. Hello. Do you imagine yourself waking up in the morning in the mountains with a nice, freshly brewed cup of coffee? No, I like waking up in the morning and watching the sunrise while drinking coffee. Well, fantasize no more about this coffee drinking business because... This week's episode is brought to you by RoastersMarketplace.com with this whole plethora of coffee. It's like a steam marketplace of coffee shop by Roaster, shop by Origin, whether it be Africa, Asia, Central America, South America, or the multi-origin blend. Shop by the roast level if you like your coffee to be a light roast, a medium roast, or if you're like me and you like a dark roast. And there's even special categories like the award winners, which is actually what I use to pick up my first batch of coffee, which is the breakfast blend. Love it. Go to roastersmarketplace.com and use the code GAMER and get free shipping off of your first order. That's roastersmarketplace.com. Use the code G-A-M-E-R and get free shipping off of your first order. Welcome to Super Arrogant Bros, where two grown men look at games that they loved back in their childhood and just realize that, boy fucking howdy, is it all going downhill, Dragon Age. I want to get off Mr. Bones' wild ride! (laughs) Remember that time where the fucking dwarf, the dwarf ranger in uh, Inquisition, like, kept making off comments about Red Lyrium? Yes. And, like, he, he always said, like, yeah, like, fucking demons... Dude, like they they use it they use the red lyrium in order to like get get access into the material world and fuck up all of this shit like yeah the rifts are bad but the red lyrium we got to pay attention to that and then you go over into the in, in into the first area and you start roaming around the hinterlands yeah. and, and then you're like holy shit there was a massive mine of red lyrium and the dwarf just goes whoa that's lyrium <laughs> and you just kind of look at him like yeah should we should we destroy this Nah, that's lyrium, but it's it's red. There's a lot in this mine, which usually means that there must be a giant vein that I have to worry about. Yeah, and should sh- should we get rid of it? The demons are next to the rift. Okay. And now the next expansion is supposed to be nothing about red lyrium. Well, look. As far as I understand, like the the, the games are are dead right now. Like, uh, Dragon Age is is in a stall right now. So, y- y- you remember that time that Facebook decided to release a Dragon Age game on their games platform? No, I don't. So back back when they were uh, back when Dragon Age was being promoted, like the Inquisition. I mean, yeah. You had a chance that if you got on Facebook and you started playing a Facebook game, you could get something known as the Dragon's Armor. It was basically heavy armor that had it, it was it was it was pitch black. It also had like red armor on it, but you had to play this stupid like 
fucking mini game that you had to beat to a certain point in order to get an actual bone in-game bonus. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, I I vividly remember it mainly because a buddy of mine back in high school was like telling me like, yeah, if you want if you want like good armor right off the bat, you just have to play this game. Like, what do you mean? Like, is it supposed to be broken? Like, yeah, it's actually kind of broken. Well, why would they do that? And I was like, fuck, fine. Oh, I guess they're j- j- they just want to promote their game. So I decided to play it. Dog shit, by the way. Um, I got into the game, and yeah, I specifically remember being the only party member that would never die because of the specific armor. It was this stupid plate mail bullshitty thing where it's like, you get plus 40 your fucking strength. Congratulations, you can now one-shot anything in the hinterlands if it's in your level range. Seriously? Fuck that. And you, and I just kind of looked at it, and I'm like, I, huh. I, the, yep, nope, yep, this is a thing, all right? This is a thing that's in my game, and why would I use any other armor because of this fucking thing? Thanks, Bioware. The Hinterlands, the very first place you go to in Dragon Age Inquisition after the the giant intro. Yeah, and it's supposed to... No, you get that armor as the intro starts, I believe. Like, you just have it in your inventory. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. And it was... Oh, God. It was strange. And then this was also because... Bioware looked over at Mass Effect and said, yeah, people play multiplayer games sometimes. So let's put a multiplayer game in with Dragon Age Inquisition. Why do we want a multiplayer in Dragon Age? I don't know, but I played a bard and all I did was press buttons until people fell down. So, But then again, I do love my multiplayer in Divinity Original Sin, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. You were just like... it's 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 literally... The way that they described it was literally just your mooks being sent out on special tasks by your spy master, the one that you can't fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the only reason well, I don't play it anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and get into the games of the week. Games of the week. In 2018, Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4, it really makes you feel like Batman. I, hold up. (laughs) In in Spider-Man Arkham Web. (laughs) You fight Joker Goblin. I wish wish the Green Goblin was in this game. That would be fucking legit. I mean, if they do an expansion with the Green Goblin, yeah, fuck yeah, I will instantly buy that. I mean, I'm already excited that they're doing the Miles Morales storyline in the upcoming Spider-Man expansions. And uh, yeah, I do plan on actually getting a a PlayStation 5 and be able to uh, to go through that storyline. Plus, oh God, oh, plus the, the, the Demon Souls remake. But anyways, oh God. Okay, calm I've, it down there. I can see your boner from here, bro. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I, I have been uh, going through Spider-Man for the, for the PS4 again, and this is because I want to go through the expansions that have already come out for this game. I just haven't had the chance to do so. Mm-hmm. And because of my save files, I have to do this game all over again. Ooh. But to be honest, the game is good enough so that it's, it's like, I, I don't mind. I don't mind going out and searching for the backpacks. I don't mind looking for the locations to take photos of. I don't mind the, the storyline, the the combat. Like it, It's good. It's well built. 
I remember like way back in what was it, two thousand two no two thousand one, where the Spider Man for the PlayStation One game came out. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember playing that? I played the demo disc of it when those were still a thing. Yeah, I I played that shit over and over again. And then uh, Spider Man Two comes out. Enter Electro. It wasn't quite as good. It was developed by a different company. Vicarious Visions actually did this, this one, and, and not Ooh. NeverSoft. Oh. And yeah, uh, and it wasn't quite as good. And then you you finally get. The, the very first Spider-Man movie with its with its game adaptation. <laughs> and it was kind of weird because it was like you were able to, to web sling, but uh, your web was just attached to the air as you were just swinging around. So it doesn't make sense. And then Spider-Man 2 comes out for um, the PS, sorry, the PlayStation 2, the Xbox, and the GameCube. And everybody marks it as this... this uh, Meme-tastic, bullshit <laughs> thing. Uh, it didn't age very well, though, unfortunately. Oh, no. Are you but, kidding me? The fucking thing's when, out of it. Well, when this came out, though, it was a, it was a pretty great leap in the... The franchise, as far as Spider-Man went, but back, you know, looking back into it now, it's like ah, I had a lot of mistakes. And after this game, Spider-Man went through hell, uh, purgatory, maybe. Yeah. You can call it hell if you want to. I mean, the Enter the Spider. What? What's it called? The Enter the Spider-Verse one, where you could play as Future Spider-Man, Spider Noir. Uh, and that was, was more of a of a linear game not the sandbox yeah not 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 the ones that we're so used to nowadays right but it was i don't know in my opinion it felt nice i guess yeah so i I remember the real reveal for for 2018 spider-man and i was watching lyle mcdouchebag uh doing it well talking about it in his video and and his his first reaction is just please let this be good yeah, that's what everybody was was wondering. Like, is this is this game actually going to be good, or are we going to get barfed onto a plate and and asked to eat this? And I was afraid of that as well because I like, look, whether you're an, an adult that's been following Spider Man for years, or you're a kid, like you're maybe um, ten to twelve years old, and and you want your really good Spider Man game to go through, I think you should be able to have that, and it delivered. It delivered extremely well. It is a game that is magnificently beautiful, especially on my 4K TV. It is comfortable to be able to swing around. It feels natural. Like, sure, if I want to, I can actually just hold on to the R2 button and just keep swinging, but you don't go very fast, so you have to actually... You gotta gotta try to to adapt to how the city is laid out and... um, You know, you you do zip lining. You do more than just just, uh, the... Press and hold R two. It's it's fluid. It is so fluid, and the combat feels great to be able to um, to master and and just kick the shit out of a load of bad guys. I mm-hmm. uh, you know what man, if you want to buy this thing with the expansions on it, it is uh, thirty nine ninety nine for the complete edition. So if you've got a PS four and you've not picked this one up yet, absolutely do so. Get on top of a giant building and jump off of it. In Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Only in Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, what do you got for the games of the week? So, actually, I got a couple, not not exactly AAA games like that. Um, so, Steam's been having a bunch of fucking sales, and I've been saying to myself, you know what, I have a good amount of income that I can kind of throw around at the moment, so I'll... Well, the summer sale's going on right now. Yeah, summer sale's going on right now. I got some of those EA games. Um... 
but th- th- there were a cu- there were a couple that I was kind of looking around with because I wanted the I wanted a good roguelike game, you know. I wanted a game that really wanted me to really wanted to test my patience for some reason. So I picked up this game called Blackthorn Arena. And what Blackthorn Arena is is that you're you are the child of a disgraced arena owner. Um and basically you're trying to get back to the top. And the way that you do that is that you buy gladiators in order to fight for you. So it's it it think of it like god i don't know what exactly i should like compare this to this is kind of a unique thing when 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 you start thinking about it because you're not you're you're trying to buy gladiators but you're also trying to make sure that the gladiators you do buy are good or at least have some sort of good potential on them so every single time that you go to like a slave market or something like that, you can look at their stats and stuff like that. Like I have two gladiators that are just sociopaths and just murder people indiscriminately while they're in, while they're fighting. And I mean, the way that the fights work, you have two different things that you can do. You can either control them yourself where you're running around as one one gladiator beating up people and, you know, taking their lunch money or just putting their heads on stakes or you can just literally let them fight. And get angry at the AI. <laughs> and it's just, it's so much fucking fun. Like, just grooming this gladiator to be the perfect fighting machine and just crushing the competition before you. It feels really good. Um, I absolutely despise the AI. I think the AI could use some very good work. Because in these arenas, you you can have an arena that is trapped. Like, bear traps... Uh, swinging pendulums, buzz saws, spike traps. You know, you know the traps that you get in Skyrim whenever you go dungeon delving, and all of a sudden you get hit with a fucking wall of spikes. You got that, and that's super fucking cool. But there are certain points in the game where it's like I, I, I really don't know whether or not the the artificial intelligence is, is you know either intelligent or artificial at this point because. Boy, fucking howdy, does that game give me fucking anger sweats. <laughs> but it is it is such a good game. It makes you feel, you know, like a manager. It makes the barbarian it makes the barbarians. It makes the gladiators feel, you know, like actual characters. You can actually write little backstories behind each and every one of them and just watch them grow. Like my best my best gladiator right now is a guy called Perry. Perry has a heater shield and a spear and it's every single time that someone goes up to fight him what he does is that he does this stupid anime tastic fucking i'm gonna spin in the air and then slam my shield down on your face and then i'm gonna slam my shield into your face to stun you and then on top of that stun i'm gonna kick you into a wall of spikes and that will kill you immediately i have had so many fights where it's like oh you're it's supposed to be like a like I wouldn't call it a battle royale, but it's like one-on-one fights until somebody comes up to the vic- uh, comes up as a victor. So you'll have I I I've I've had these fights where it's like okay, Perry's going up against people that are higher level than him than God knows how much, and just all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, this is Perry we're talking about. Let me just see what exactly he's gonna do. So opening fight, big humongous hulking guy level fifteen or something like that versus my level. Like seven parry right now. 
And I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna lose my best my best gladiator because these guys have literally been training their people since birth, I guess. And all of a sudden, you just see this fucking maniac run out in his goddamn loincloth, does his anime move attack, <laughs> and then punches the guy in the face, and then kicks him into a wall of spikes, and you just watch this guy run off, because there is there is a mechanic where if they take too much damage and think they're going to die, they're going to run away. He'll run in the opposite direction, and apparently this increases Perry's bloodlust to where he will now run at Mach 10 towards this fleeing gentleman yeah? and kick him into another fucking wall of spikes. Just And the ragdoll is just there on the spikes, not moving, kind of twitching because of the fucking ragdoll physics oh, in that Oh, ragdoll's game. a blessing. Uh, and it's like, Perry, buddy, <laughs> you got to have a little bit of chill here. Yeah. And he also has a trait where it's like, He's a he's a sadist. It's like okay, so he's in 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 part of part of the mechanics of the game is that you're trying to gain favor with the crowd. Like you're trying to be you're right. trying to be famous and you're trying to be you're, you're trying to pander to the crowd's liking. No, not Perry. Perry's a fucking sociopath right now. He wants to kill people. <laughs> So every single time that I press the oh well the crowd wants them to live. So yeah, we'll we'll let them live this time. About a day later, Perry tries to break out of prison because I did, he didn't get to kill anyone. It's like, Perry, you fucking sociopath. This isn't how this works. I don't want to punish you because I know exactly what's about to happen. I'm going to knock you out. And now I got to spend the next fucking week trying to heal you back up. And, and you have all of these stupid little things. Like I have this fucking gremlin lolly fucking pigtailed woman with goddamn twin maces running at someone that's twice her size only to get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> like, woman, what are you fucking doing? Leanne, calm the fuck down. What do you want from me? Blood, apparently. It's just that game is a fucking blessing. It makes me feel happy inside because sometimes the AI will just become godlike and just punch someone straight in the fucking mouth. The other times, it's like... you. How many times do you have to learn not to run into the same trap before you realize that you're taking more damage from the trap than you are from the guy? Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> oh, God. That was the main game that I was playing for a very long time. I also started playing Mountain Blade again. Yeah? Tell me and about I, it. And I played the multiplayer. And the multiplayer has something called Captain Mode, where you get to control, like, these group of guys with other players... And you run around on the battlefield, capturing points, beating up other people. And nothing is more terrifying than... You have, like, these elite guys with fucking halberds and all this bullshit, right? And you're, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm fucking badass. I have, like, these awesome berserker barbarians running around with axes and all that shit. And then y you, get your, you, you get dominance asserted. You get dominated by a group of literal screaming retards. With goddamn pitchforks and sickles. <laughs> and you just sit there as you watch your elite fighting force get mobbed to death by over 150 peasants. No! Like, like, <laughs> no. no, wait, please. Oh, wait, no. That guy's able to... No, he's dead too. <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> what happened to my elite fighting force? <laughs> Who's Who will win? A man trained from birth to be the perfect killing machine 
or some inbred halfwit from a fucking village with a pitchfork. <laughs> uh, but that game is so fucking good. I'm yeah, so happy I got a new computer just for that fucking game. It is so fucking worth it. I mean, that computer is going to serve you well, man. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so fucking good. But fuck, is that so demoralizing <laughs> to just lose all of your dudes because some cheeky, breaky bastard with a fucking pitchfork <laughs> comes running at... Or my favorite, throat yeah. throat yodeling Mongols in fucking stupid turban hats just running at you with a fucking... In this game, you have directional combat. So what is more terrifying, this guy that is in heavy plate mail or some fucking retard screaming at the top of his lungs with a goddamn club like just right above his head? Like, what are you going to do? He has no fear. There is no fear in his eyes. Just bloodlust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I'm so fucking angry at that game sometimes. But it's such a fucking blessing. See a bunch of these fucking retards in a siege match just go up a goddamn ladder. Meanwhile, there's fucking, uh, like, totes my goats up there just, like, just fucking hammering away at any <laughs> any single idiot that decides to go up a ladder. I, I'm sure everyone here has seen the gif where all of a sudden this player just goes up a ladder using a two-handed war cleaver just I'm I'm cutting wood right now. I'm cutting wood and getting kills. I'm not going to I'm not going to step away from this fucking place. I fucking love the multiplayer for that game, but goddamn is it so demoralizing <laughs> to see this fucking retard run at you with a pitchfork and win. <laughs> all right. Domin dominance asserted. <laughs> Get fuck nobles. T-pose. <laughs> fucking, I've seen T-posing, T-posing retards with a goddamn crossbow just running at me at full speed. Are you, are you shitting me? I'm not shitting you, it's just, it's, it's terrifying. You see a T-posed fucking Mongol on a horse just riding at you at full speed. What do you do? Nothing. You accept your fate. You accept your fate and put down your arms and just die. <laughs> How do you beat a man that has no fear? <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the gaming news. Gaming news. Well, buddy, it feels like a lot has happened. You remember earlier in the week, we actually had one of our listeners, Ray John, uh, get a hold of us about what is going on with Ubisoft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, if you want to support Super Arrogant Bros, one of the ways you can do so, besides uh, making a purchase off of uh, uh, RoastersMarketplace.com, you can also go to Patreon.com slash Arrogant Media for five, for $5 per month. You get access into the Discord server that we run. We've got Rajon, we've got Hitmonkey, we've got Weirdo all in the server chatting it up with us all the time. They're great dudes. I love them to death. But Rajon put something into uh, into our radar here. Ubisoft places multiple employees on leave following allegations of misconduct. Jesus Christ. This is from The Verge. Uh, multiple employees at Ubisoft, including two executives, have been placed on administrative leave as the company conducts a corporate investigation following allegations of professional misconduct. And this was uh, reported by Bloomberg. Uh, the two executives placed on leave are Tommy Francois and Maxime Belland. Uh, keep in mind, with Ubisoft being in uh, in France, it, it is going to have some names I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing. 
And uh, these are these are beautiful looking names, actually. I love these. Either way, though, um, two employees that serve as vice presidents in a division overseeing a worldwide development of the company's games. Uh, and both men faced numerous allegations that surfaced after multiple accusations came forward on Twitter. In the last week, the video game industry has faced a Me Too reckoning with an outpouring of stories on social media. And I'm actually going to get into another one here in just a moment. Uh, Many in the Twitch and YouTube creator spaces, as well as employees of large game developers and publishers, have come forward online about abuse, sexual harassment, and other misconduct at the hands of high-ranking employees while working in the industry. So, uh, I'm hoping that Ubisoft gets things worked out and... uh, if the allegations are true, then it's just I don't I don't know how hard it is to keep it in your fucking pants. Yeah. I mean, just because you have this fuck, just because you have the power and money doesn't mean that you probably you know should be doing these things. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's just it's upsetting to think that just because a fucking few of these execs did this, Ubisoft is probably gonna have a black mark if it ever turns out that these allegations are true. Well, I, I mean, I'm not sure how well all this is going to affect them, though. I don't. I, I, I honestly do think that there are certain points where it's like, especially with these big AAA companies. Remember the remember the old saying, like they 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 clap they clap when you rise, but they clap the hardest when you fall. Yeah. So I think. I think if these allegations do come to uh, like actually prove to be true, then Ubisoft is going to take a fucking hit. Yeah, because th- we, we 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 we've hit this point in fucking we we've hit this point where it's like a lot of these AAA companies they're starting to already get accused of doing all of this kind of dumb bullshit, right? We already have EA that is starting to lose players on Battlefield f- 5, right? Yeah, the 5. World War 2 one, right? Just because of what they uh, just because of what they said. Like what you do and say when part of these big humongous companies will affect the company in the long term. And I don't know how exa- I'm I'm honestly kind of interested to see what's going to happen when it comes down to uh what's it? Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. I kind of want to see how that's going to affect the sales, I guess, if it just turns out that these allegations are true. Because you know that there are going to be people out there that are going that are going to say Ubisoft isn't doing anything with these allegations or, or anything like that. It's just I don't know. I feel like we we have hit this point where people in powerful positions need to, need to watch what they're doing if they want their future endeavors to succeed. I guess. Oh, you always have to. Yeah, you, you absolutely have to. And uh, so I, I mentioned that there was going to be a Me Too that is going to go over here. Angry Joe. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. Did you read the story that was posted? I read a little bit of it, and it just kind of turned into Angry Joe probably shouldn't. Again, it, it kind of goes back to just because you have the popularity doesn't mean you should put fucking keep whipping it out. Well, here, here's the thing, though. I, I actually read that story. It was on a Medium post, and... I'm not gonna read the the story because it's a lot to go through. Yeah, but the I'm gonna try to summarize it here. So this 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 woman um, meets Angry Joe, mm-hmm. and Angry Joe tries uh, taking her out and and uh, 
taking her out to meetings and partying with her. And this is all at a at a big old convention. Uh-huh. And like he had his own his own presentations to do, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh there was a one point where I, I I read the story and I was like, no, this is not this is not right. It was when uh, when Joe was was trying to to walk her from point A to point B, and he tries doing so in this like stealthy route, saying that you know if uh, if they see me, they're all gonna just just flood me here, uh, as if like. Like you seen the video clip of of Logan Paul at uh, VidCon, and you've got this whole like wave of uh, teenagers that are rushing him. Yeah, yeah. So like this 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 girl was was painting the story that Joe was trying to avoid like this mob of people that are gonna gonna rush him just like in like Logan Paul. That was the point where I was like, no, this is bullshit. Mm. The reason why is because so like you and I over at Pack South. We we saw Angry Joe. Yeah, and Angry Joe was standing large, standing there just like a normal person, and he was out in the open. Did we see him get rushed? No. Fuck no. Well, okay. So when it comes down to Angry Joe fans, if you would have asked me, like, would he have gotten rushed in 2011, 2012, when he was like really fucking getting popular, I would have believed it. Because he was super popular, but right now his fan base has grown a lot, has grown older and wiser, and they kind of, kind of know that you know he's a person that likes, he, he he's a person. Yeah, yeah, he's a dude. It, it's sort of like the Channel Awesome community just grew up a bit. Yeah, and and Angry Joe like started to grow up too, and yeah, he's, you know, he, he's yeah. yeah he's changed, and and I think uh, in some ways for the better. But yeah, we we would walk right past him, and nothing would happen. We would see nothing going on. Uh, I walked past him at the Riverwalk, and he he was just like every other person that was walking around in the Riverwalk. Yeah, and I ran into him. Well, I think I think I was the first one to run into him because he was interviewing one of the board game reps over near the board game area and over at South Pax and uh he was just he was just talking to them I didn't see like a camera I didn't see a microphone or anything like that he was just genuinely talking to a person and I'm like well there you go I felt like I felt like I missed an opportunity of going over there and like talking to him and sh- like he he was the person that got me into Dragon's Dogma Really? He was okay. actually the person that got me into Dragon's Dogma mainly because he showed off all the cool shit that you could do in in the game like you can climb on top of monsters and beat the shit out of them and like actually injure their wings and shit like that. That was honestly really cool the way he did that. And a lot of his points also really stuck with me because there were times where it's like like the pawn system, he talked about that and how fucking irritating it gets. And I like got the game I'm like, "Oh, it's probably not going to be that, you know, it was bad." But I kind of thought to myself like, "Well, he's also trying to enjoy the convention as well." If I just run up to him and just go, oh my god, it's Angry Joe. No, that would not have been cool. So I just kind of held my tongue and I said, you know what? I saw him at the I saw him at the convention. That's that's all that I want to get out of this, and that's all I wanted to get out of it. So 
he walked off. I was doing something else, and there you go. I just thought it was kind of cool that I got to see someone that got me into my one of my favorite games. Yeah. And then there's this fucking retard over here that puts a goddamn bow in his mouth and is like, hey, I get a free game now. <laughs> With the, the picture where I held the bow like a sword. Yeah. Like I shit posted, then Capcom saw it and, and uh, said, hey, uh, you win our contest. Go ahead and pick a game for yourself here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I just sat there and I'm like, I, hmm. <laughs> oh, God, that was a great day. That was a great, great time. But anyways, fun. like, Joe comes off as the kind of guy that, I'd give him a beer. I would give him a beer. I would share a few beers with him, and then we would part ways. <laughs> you know, I, I would. I would definitely be able to. I would love to be able to just have a chat with him at a bar, like at a convention, and just shoot the shit of like get, get to know his history about about the uh, things with YouTube and his his career. And yeah, you know, I, I I love talking about that with people. Actually, like when I did the interview with David Brocky from Gore, you know, I, I got to sit there and listen to him talk about his history and behind the scenes stuff. Like I love that shit. And so either way though, like back to the me too that thing. So, uh, as soon as I read that part about him, uh, I, I was calling bullshit, but she painted this picture of him being completely manipulative the entire, the entire trip. And, um, made her actually like took her phone away when in reality, like she was posting pictures of herself at the the gathering that they both went to, mm-hmm. so like there's there's a lot of bullshit. Like there's a lot of stuff where you can you can sniff bullshit out of the story. Now, granted, though, I I can't really consider myself to be the arbiter of of everything that happened between this the story. Yeah, but um, what I will say is that I admire how he handled this this um well quite frankly, uh, a scary um, process here. Because yeah. what he did was he he didn't get into some sort of like apologizing point here where he was talking about how, oh, I maybe I misunderstood what was going on. I'm so sorry. No, no. He didn't take any of that shit at all. He knew exactly what he was dealing with. And he said, okay, I'm going to talk to my lawyers. I've got the receipts of what happened. I've got evidence of what was going down. And I'll give you a full statement pretty soon. And he did. Good. And after he did that, after he lawyered up, the person that posted that story just immediately took it down. And so now you you can't you can't go well you can't find it from the medium page that it was on. But I, I'm pretty sure if you were to look for like an archive of it, you'll probably find it. Yeah. Either way though, she took it down and like I I think I think that's the best way to deal with with this kind of thing if you are and e-celeb and you have someone trying to me to you and, and let's be real here the people that are that are doing this like they have something to gain from it yeah. there is actually a trend of of twitch streamers who were dwindling in subscribers or like they were they were bleeding subscribers yeah until they me to somebody then all of a sudden they you start noticing this gain that they they're reaching and this was actually pointed out by upper echelon gamers uh, they did a he did a great YouTube video about this that you should check out. But either way, though, like I, that's that to me is a really really great story from what can go on online. Yeah, it's it's just 
you got to be careful out there if you're gonna if you're yeah if you're gonna be in it for the long run just be, just make sure that you're careful because there's always going to be that one person that one person that just wants to get you know a bigger subscribe count yeah and it fucking hurts and coming up next here in news, Chris, Chris Avalone removed from games over assault allegations. Uh, oof, boy. Uh, from Tech Raptor, game designer and writer Chris Avalon has been accused of sexual harassment by multiple women. Since those accusations came to light, several game studios have stepped forward to speak about his involvement with their projects and to distance themselves from him. Oof. Three major studios that have ended their association with Avalon either due to sorry due directly to the allegations or owing to other matters are Techland, Paradox Interactive and Gato Studio. The Paradox Interactive one I'm yeah. Um when it comes down to Paradox Interactive, I'm kind of really hoping that it's not touching that he wasn't a part of the, you know, writing crew of one of the games that I'm waiting for, Necromunda. Mainly because I really don't want that game to get pushed back just because they want to find a new writer. I don't. I don't think that's ever going to actually be a thing. It's just that, again, when it comes down to that sort of sexual allegation stuff, at this point, I'm starting to kind of scratch my head a little bit. Yeah. Uh. So some of the stuff he's been working on is the System Shock remake. Uh That that does mm, not need a, to be tainted. Yeah. Um. Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. Oh. Yeah. Well, they already got the story written down, so that they, we're, we're good. Yeah. Anything else? Let's see here. Aleloth, Champions of the Four Kingdoms. I have no idea what that is, and I no longer care. I don't know either. I'm like, okay, yeah, I recognize uh, one of those games, but okay. Yeah. Uh, according to Tech Raptor, Alcat Games' this official statement says the company does not condone sexual misconduct in any form, but that the studio does not, quote, uphold taking rushed actions based on allegations, and that it will continue monitoring the situation closely to make an informed decision. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. That is how you do things whenever it comes down to allegations. Alcat, I fucking love you. Thank you, buddies. <laughs> Put me in video game. <laughs> Put me as dead NPC. <laughs> De oh yeah, I would love to be a dead NPC. Just a dead NPC, like oh man, did 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 Stev die fucking fighting demons or dragons stuff like that? Nah, he fell over. Like on what? Nah, he just fell over and like he, did, he didn't want to get back up. Like you remember in in Morrowind three where you see the wizard that just falls to his death, and you look into it and you realize, oh, this guy was working with a potion that makes him fly. Uh, but he didn't equip the boots of Featherfall. Yeah. <laughs> so, Oopsie poopsies. Yeah. <laughs> you're just walking down the road. You're <laughs> it just <laughs> and it's not it's it. And remember, I want to be that. Yeah, but remember, in Oblivion there was no ragdolls. So he yeah. hits the ground and then does the Morrowind death, <laughs> yeah, he <does. laughs> where he turns real quick and then falls down, and then you loot everything on him now you have a robe and a wizard hat and also a potion plus a note but you don't read the note and then you drink the potion <laughs> it just works it just works <laughs> I, I honestly thought that that was like a weird ass book when i first ran into it yeah i want to be that character i want to have that kind of fate 
and like just fucking dies because he didn't <laughs> he didn't think past step one. Yeah. Uh, and then the last bit of news: Conan Chop Chop release date uh, delayed again. Okay. I I really want this game. I I um I, I like the art direction this is go- this is going to. It's very cute. Uh, it it looks fun. I just want my fun Conan game. I just want an open world Conan game where I can just jump in. I don't want I. And we're, I'm I'm gonna address the elephant in the room here. Those of you that have actually been paying attention to uh, Funcom right now have kind of noticed a trend in terms of uh, talking about Conan Exiles. Um, I wouldn't call this news, but this is kind of a this is kind of an updating story, and this is kind of showing that Funcom doesn't really know what the fuck they're doing anymore. So, if you look on the forums for Conan Exiles, you'll notice that a lot of the forum posts are talking about servers not being found, servers being down, not being able to launch the game whatsoever. And that is because Funcom has attempted to balance the game out in PvP and reintroduce something that is known as the God Systems. Uh, Durkub, I remember you and I watching a video about some random-ass player being able to summon Cthulhu into the world to beat up another person's camp. Yes. They are going to be reintroducing that system, but it's 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 going to be drastically overhauled, where it's not going to be as terrifying as everyone thinks that it's going to be, but it's still going to be terrifying enough to where you really need to mount up a defense against this avatar of destruction, so to speak. Well, the new update has introduced a plethora of bugs, such as game crashes, servers crashing... Um, servers just not being found, servers not being able to come back up, uh, servers just being deleted, all because of this one update, and they have been, they have been doing nothing but hotfixes, nothing but patches, and the game is still being broken to this day. That's kind of big when it, when you think about it, because on Steam, last time that I checked, there were over about 5,000 people on Steam trying to get into a game. And you might be saying to yourself, well, doesn't fucking Conan Exiles have like a have a have an offline mode? You can't even run it in offline mode at the moment. It disconnects you from an offline game. Oh. Yeah. So people are a little bit miffed because if you can't get on your favorite server, you just play on the offline mode and call it a day. Because... I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. So right now Funcom is collectively attempting to not lose their shit because players sure as hell are. Fun times. Fun times. I can't build my castle anymore because the game keeps glitching out on me. (laughs) I want to build my Chinese castle fort and just equip it with nothing but thralls and then make it into a raid zone where people can go in and like do raiding things. I was going to name all my important NPCs and then I was going to be the last boss and I was just going to blow myself up. Ooh. An entire room filled with nothing but explosive traps. Mm. It's, it's not going to help, but it's, it's, it's fun. All right, then. Let's go ahead and get into the topic of the week. Local man drinks 5,000 potions of skooma and fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> Topic of the week. All right. 
So before we get into this next topic, I love playing my dundas, you know, my D&Ds. I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons. You get to enter both Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, if that tickles your fancy. Yeah. And I mean, I love playing my, my, my fantasy races. I love playing my elves, my orcs, my, my, my fucking goblins. I mean, my, my favorite experience in, in, in these Dungeons and Dragons things has to be when I created a an orc shaman in pathfinder you know like i i was really into fucking uh world of warcraft when i first started playing pathfinder and i'm like this is fucking perfect and all this shit and then i grew to love and appreciate calcus the really insane goblin that has seven player kills to his name and no you know monster kills to his name because he wields a blunderbuss and he gets thrown backwards like that's super fucking cool and i never really thought to myself like man these care these races are really racist, and you know what? I'm I'm making I am making the connections now. I am reaching super hard to look at all of these characters in a different light, in a racist light, and now I feel bad about playing all of these racist characters. But luckily, Wizards of the Coast has come out with a, with, with with an entire statement regarding the so-called evil classes or evil races. I mean. And boy, howdy, did they open my mind to all of these new possibilities of how evil and racist like these depictions are of these of these poor and misunderstood creatures, such as the drow. They they don't want to go and rape and pillage and murder and all of this other stuff and worship a spider god. No, they're just misunderstood creatures. Did you not le- did you not read the legends of Drizzt? Like, God, are you uncultured swine? Like, not all not all races, you know. It's, it's like you you think that killing that orc because he decided to run into your camp and beat the shit out of you while you were sleeping instead of just talking to you and saying, hey, get off my land. Well, if you thought that he was evil because he just decided to run in there and immediately murder you in the name of his murder god, well, that's pretty racist of you. And Wizards of the Coast has really opened my eyes to that, which is why they're getting rid of all evil depictions of any of those evil races. Yeah, I uh, I, I pulled up a, an article from Polygon. Wizards of the Coast is addressing racist stereotypes in Dungeons and Dragons. Hmm. And I'm really glad they are, because you know why? I want to be able to feel like every other race in the goddamn fucking game. <laughs> so fucking angry i don't know if you can tell at this point i have been playing fucking DD and pathfinder since i was a wee little toddler the first fucking DD game that i picked up was DD fourth edition beginner box fourth edition yeah that's not that old yeah i know <laughs> it was the first DD i wanted i mean i ever got to play and then of course i did get to play a little bit of first second and third edition and then i got into pathfinder out of third edition because i just wanted something more i played a little bit of fourth edition and realized that i didn't know what i was doing then i got in nobody knew what they were doing no one knows what they're doing in fucking fourth and fucking third edition it's just a cluster fucking cluster fucking cluster fuck what do you want from me (laughs) yeah but it's just (sighs) what everyone keeps forgetting is that there is actual backstory when you look into all of these characters and I don't see them as like weird ass racist depictions of black people. I see them as their own multicultural fucking races. So let's let's go ahead and get 
everybody else on the same page. Yeah, here. let's let's go ahead. So from from Polygon, Dungeons and Dragons publisher Wizards of the Coast has acknowledged the existence of racist stereotypes in its source books and pledged to make changes to uh, ameliorate the issue. In a blog post on June 17th titled A Diversity in Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast said that depicting a diverse array of human beings beyond fantasy versions of Northern Europeans is, quote, one of the explicit design goals of 5th edition D&D. The developers noted that while they want to feature characters, quote, who represent an array of ethnicities, gender identities, sexual orientations, and beliefs, the game still contains problematic depictions of fantasy races. Among these races are the Orcs who are often characterized as a savage horde of creatures who lust for battle. That's what they... And the drow, an evil, dark-skinned sub-race of elves who dwell in a subterranean matriarchy. Wizards of the Coast specifically address these two groups in laying out recent and future changes to D&D products. Uh, I've got the blog post up here right now. And let's go through this. Dungeons and Dragons teaches that diversity is strength. For only a diverse group of adventurers can overcome the many challenges a D&D story presents. In that spirit, making D&D as welcoming and inclusive as possible has moved to the forefront of our priorities over the last six years. We'd like to share with you what we've been doing and what we plan to do in the future to address legacy D&D content that does not reflect who we are today. We recognize that doing this isn't about getting to a place where we can rest our laurels, but continuing to head in the right direction. We feel that being transparent about it is the best way to let our community help us continue to calibrate our efforts. One of the explicit design goals of 5th edition D&D is to depict humanity in all of its beautiful diversity by depicting characters who represent an array of ethnicities, gender identities, sexual orientations, and beliefs. We want everyone to feel at home around the game table and to see positive reflections of themselves within our products. Human in D&D means everyone, not just fantasy versions of Northern Europeans, and the D&D community is now more diverse than it's ever been. No shit. I, um, maybe, okay, maybe it's very possible that The Witcher had more than just white people in it. But that's because it's in Poland. Well... The world of The Witcher is actually much more expansive than people like to give, give credit for. Uh, the, the thing is, a lot of lefties like to, um, uh, well, poo-poo on The Witcher for not being diverse enough, even though it's like you're really focusing on one region of the world of The Witcher. Yes. And then I, 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 it's so fucking aggravating because they keep forgetting there are other fucking races in the game. It's not just because my fucking diversity. It's because your writers are fucking bad. Throughout the 50-year history of D&D, some of the people in the game, orcs and drow being two of the prime examples, have been characterized as monstrous and evil, using depict sorry descriptions that are painfully reminiscent of how real-world ethnic groups have been and continue to be denigrated. That's just not right, and it's not something we believe in. 
Despite our conscious efforts to the contrary, we have allowed some of these old descriptions to reappear in the game. We recognize that to live our values, we have to do an even better job in handling these issues. If we make mistakes, our priority is to make things right. Here's what we're doing to improve. Bullet point one. Okay, here we go, boys. We present orcs and drow in a new light in our most recent books, Eberron, Rising of the Last War and Explorer's Guide to Wildermount. In these books, orcs and drow are just as morally and culturally complex as other peoples. We will continue that approach in future books, portraying all the peoples of D&D in relatable ways and making it clear that they are as free as humans to decide who and what they are. Okay. So, it's... Look, I'm just saying that orcs smell bad, okay? It's not racist to say that orcs smell bad. Okay. They're not humans. No, they're not a parent. No, no, they're human. They're human. They said. They said. They said. But, see, this is why I like my other fucking games other than D&D. I'm going to be the first one to say this. I really don't enjoy playing in the random-ass goddamn settings in fucking D&D. Right. Because they're just not written as well as other fucking sources. All right? If you... It's 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 just... If you thought that this was a fucking issue, then you're not writing them out correctly. Or you're writing them out in such a terrible way that no one wants to remember them. Fucking Legend of Drizzt. I have a friend of mine that runs the Explorers League for D&D over at our local gaming store. He fucking despises Drizzt with an unholy passion. Why and is I, that? Okay, and, and, and this is from him, because he knows exactly what the drow are supposed to be, alright? They are ambitious, and they will do everything in their power to get more power. In one of the fucking games for D and D, one one of the board games that you can play is is basically living your life as a drow, or more specifically, a, a house of drow. And the way that the drow work is that each house is basically kind of ranked. If you're on the top, you're the top fucking dog, and everyone wants to like pull you down. So there's going to be a lot of fucking backstabbing, assassination attempts, a lot of this way to kind of deface the, uh, the 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 kind of power the the reputation of certain people so that way you can start rising up that has been a thing for god knows how long and i mean it's 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 fuck even their even their main ruling like heads they're all women they're all women because of of of, of their spider god of their goddess, sorry, Loth, right? Yeah, Loth. And it's just, everyone keeps forgetting that the drow are basically ruled by these very ambitious, spell-casting women that worship Loth. They want to get more fucking power in order to prove to Loth that they are the most powerful, like, drowish person in existence, all right? There's so much fucking backstabbing. Um, if you are if you are a female, you automatically get all of these awesome 
fucking perks. And it's such an interesting way of it. It's such an interesting way of doing it. And it's just if you actually delve into how the draw work. Yes, they're slavers. But there's just so much fucking backstory when it comes into it because they 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 know what it is like to be bottom rung. And so they don't want to be bottom rung anymore. They're always clamoring for the top. They're always wanting to be the top dog. And and they go out for slaves in order to increase their power. More slaves means that you have more more labor to go and do these things. All right? And that means if you have if if now you have most of your house free of doing all of this labor intensive work you can then go on and do more ambitious shit and so all of a sudden saying that oh well actually not all drow are fucking you know backstabby bullshit like just look at drizzit yeah drizzit is a fucking mary sue he is he he is the epitome of edge lord mcgee he is a misunderstood creature of the drow who just wants to be good in life. You look at any other drow in there. There is always that subtle hit hint of ambition. And Drizzt isn't like that. He kills a dragon in a single fucking chapter. Or, uh, in, in, sorry, not a chapter. A page. A sword duel lasts an entire chapter. Are you fucking kidding me? This is what happens when you try and portray him as like the the good guy and shit like this. Like he's so cool and awesome. He has a pet panther and all this shit. Like fucking I, who okay, cares? Can I challenge this thing about like one page compared to a chapter? Yeah. Is it possible for Dritz to um like already have an understanding of like how to kill this this creature? Uh but with a sword fight it's like you you got to study what's going on yeah. with your opponent. Okay. Here's the thing when it comes down to dragons. Dragons aren't stupid. Dragons in D&D are spellcasters. Right, right. Dragons right. are very intelligent creatures. He kills it. And from what I understand from my friend, in maybe three paragraphs. Where this sword fight with this random ass dude takes the full chapter. With monologuing and all that shit. Okay, so and what kind of monologuing is there? It's like, oh man, it's it's this guy is super fucking like tough and shit like this, and it's just it goes into super extreme detail as to why this fight is so hard for him. Meanwhile, the dragon's just like, well, I'm just gonna fucking kill him, and that's it. No awesome like no 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 awesome things where the dragon's like I'm gonna cast these spells and you know you can't really do anything about it or I'm gonna breathe fire on no. So what I'm getting out of this is that with the fight with the dragon they did that one dirty. They did the dragon dirty, and I have a feeling that they're gonna start doing that a lot more when they're trying to portray you know the good drow and shit like that. But no, the drow have a very unique culture behind them. And if you really want to stretch and say that, oh, well, they're being portrayed as a racist stereotype. No, they're not being portrayed as a racist stereotype. You're portraying them as a racist stereotype. If you really want to fucking reach that hard, it's because your writers don't know how to fucking handle the drought. Oh, we're going to fucking get to that part. Yeah. We're going to get we're going to fucking get to that. And as for the orcs, the orcs are, a nom- are, 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 are nomads, basically. But they also worship a god of war. They believe that might equals right. In each tribe 
if you aren't the strongest, they're kicking you out or they're just going to kill you. Exactly. Fucking orcs are badass. Anyways, yeah. keep going. Uh, bullet point number two. When every D&D book is reprinted, we have an opportunity to correct errors that we uh, or the broader D&D community discovered in the book. Each year, we use these opportunities to fix a variety of things, including errors in judgment. In recent reprintings of Tomb of Annihilation and Curse of Strahd, for example, we changed a text that was racially insensitive. Those reprints have already been, been printed and will be available in the months ahead. We will continue to process reviewing each book as it comes up for a reprint and fixing such errors when they are present. We're currently going through... Um, Curse of Strahd in our in our personal group. Yeah, and they're not they're not fucking like you know, I I don't see anything racist about them. If you look into Curse of Strahd and the Vastani, which is the people that they're talking about in Curse of Strahd, the Vastani have free reign over this stuff. They're a nomadic people. They don't like staying tied to the land for that long. They'll they'll move on when they when they get the stuff that they need to get, and then they'll they're they're gone. But the reason that the reason that happened is because the Vastani helped Strahd. So Strahd is indebted to them. I, I didn't see any sort of racist depictions of them. From what I'm seeing, they're a free-spirited people. Like I I have never felt like, okay, maybe the maybe the depiction of the Vastani is kind of kind of bad right now. And if you if you start thinking about it from that whole, well, they're, they're gypsies sort of thing, you're going to feel that way about any sort of people that all of a sudden moves into your city. Or, like, it, especially in, if you're in a medieval town. These people look different from you, they're acting a lot different, and in Curse of Strahd, they're able to move around freely without, you know, all of a sudden getting sucked back into your town. Right. Like, of course, people are going to look at them with a, with a hint of suspicion. They're going to think that they're evil people, because they're still moving around. So for the next bullet point here, later this year we'll release a product not yet announced that offers a way for a player to customize their character's origin, including the option to change the ability score increases that come from being an elf, a dwarf, or one of D&D's many other playable folk. Uh, this option emphasizes that each person in the game is an individual with capabilities of their own. Let me reread part of this again here. Yeah. Uh, that offers a way for a player to customize their character's origin. That's fine. Okay. Including the option to change the ability score increases that come from being an elf, a dwarf, or one of the other folk. Okay. So what this means, for those who are not very familiar, if you are creating your own character, um, you are setting up things like your strength, your constitution, dexterity. Uh, these are all things that dictate how easily you can do something. So if you're trying to move a boulder, that's a strength check. Now with orcs, orcs get an increase of strength because they are orcs. Yeah. Um, so what this change is doing is making it so that you can be like, oh, I'm going to take this, uh, this increase and, uh, you know, just, just do something else with it. Yeah. So I'm on board with the origin stuff. Yeah. Simply for the fact that that honestly does kind of diversify the characters outside of, I am from the city. 
I do the thing. There we go. Yeah. When it comes down to the ability modifiers, I think at that point, you might as well just play a human. Like, sure, the orc is playing a wizard right now. I'm still expecting a level one wizard to beat up a level one fighter. If he's an orc and the other person is, I don't know, a fucking gnome. Yeah. Simply for the fact that, you know, they're innately stronger. If you look at every single depiction of an orc, especially in fantasy things, you'll see that even fucking spellcasters for orcs. Orcs are shit brick houses. They, they, they are born as fucking brick houses. Mm-hmm. Like that is an actual thing that happens unless there is like some sort of outside force that is forcing them to, you know, not be shit brick houses. It's the same thing with... They're not goblins. They're not goblins. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Next bullet point. Curse of Strahd included a people known as the Vistani and featured the Vistani heroine uh, Esmeralda. Regrettably, their depiction echoes some stereotypes associated with the Romani people in the real world. To rectify that, we've not only made changes to Curse of Strahd, but in two upcoming books, we will also show working with a Romani consultant, the Vistani, in a way that doesn't rely on reductive tropes. They're nomads. I don't I don't know what else you need. The Vistani specifically are nomads. Esmeralda is a nomad. I don't know what you need from this. At this point, it. At this point, if it turns out that you're trying to go for weirdly historical accuracy when it comes down to the Vasani, I uh, sure. I guess I don't really. I don't know. It's just they're a fantasy race. Yeah. Uh, next one, we've in. We, sorry, we've received valuable insights from the sensitivity readers. On two of our recent books, we are incorporating sensitivity readings into our creative process, and we will continue to reach out to experts in various fields to help us identify our blind spots. And the last bullet point, we've proactively seeking new, sorry, we're proactively seeking new diverse talent to join our staff and our pool of freelance writers and artists. We've brought in contributors who reflect the beautiful diversity of the D&D community to work on books coming out in 2021. We're going to invest even more in this approach and add a broad range of new voices to join the chorus of D&D storytelling. Swear to God. Here's the thing when it comes down to source books. There are good source books and there are utter shit ones. Apparently, there is no such thing as an in-between when you start looking at fucking sources for any of the D&D books. If you ask any of the fans about that, there are going to be people that say, just don't play this one. Or if you really want to play fucking Tomb of Annihilation, play Tomb of Annihilation, not new Tomb of Annihilation. Because old Tomb of Annihilation is save or die. New Tomb of Annihilation is is apparently something else that no one likes. Every single person I've talked to about Tomb of Annihilation, they don't talk about the new book. They always talk about the old one, because the old one stood out. It's just... If you're diversifying for diversity's sake, you're going to start realizing that your quality's starting to go down. Yeah. And the last two paragraphs here. 
and we will continue to listen to you all. We created 5th Edition in conversation with the D&D community. It's a conversation that continues to this day. That's at the heart of our work, listening to the community, learning what brings you joy, and doing everything we can to provide it in every one of our books. This part of our work will never end. We know that every day someone finds the courage to voice their truth, and we're here to listen. We are eternally grateful for the ongoing dialogue with the D&D community, and we look forward to consulting to improve D&D for generations to come. So, do you remember last year when we started to hear some some news pieces talking about orcs being racist in Lord of the Rings? From a couple bloggers? Yeah. Yeah, and then no one listened to them. And now it feels like that this is expanded. It's because Wizards of the Coast crumbles way too easy to fucking peer pressure. That's always how it's been. They've gotten really fucking big, and now they're trying to cover their goddamn asses. Yeah. And what they're going to find is that people are just going to look over at the books, see that they're all basically carbon copies of each other. They're going to move on to something else. That's just how it's always been. If all of a sudden your new content is just really fucking bland and reminds you of other things, people are going to start moving away from your product and going to other things. For instance, Pathfinder. People have been picking up Pathfinder like left, right, front, and center, especially with the new edition. Yeah. Because they handled that diversity thing honestly fairly well. How so? Okay, so in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, Galarian got fucked. And when I mean got fucked, I mean the entirety of the world basically went through World of Warcraft Cataclysm. The entire world is not exactly what it it was before, and there's a bunch of stuff that has already changed. Lamash 2 tried to eat the goddamn goblins, and so the goblins are like, okay, I just put worship of Lamash 2, the goddess of monsters, just over to the wayside, and... uh, I don't know what else to do right now, so we're going to try and be nice to other people so we don't get eaten to death now. Right. And it was it was honestly kind of interesting to read about that. Now then, Paizo did kind of say, like, okay, guys, you're heroes, so heroes don't do bad things, such as take slaves. If you want to do that, that's you. We're just saying that if you want to play, you know, as pathfinder society members don't take slaves also if you try and mix alignments you're in for a bad time (laughs) so the easiest way to do this is to just make either neutral characters or good characters otherwise you get fucked (laughs) (laughs) and they also handled paladins which don't exist in in, uh, pathfinder second edition to champions to where you can actually be a like a paladin of good, a paladin of neutral, and a paladin of evil, worshiping different gods. It's basically a battle cleric, but without having to worry about spell casting or all of this other stuff. You can still be, you can still do paladin things, and it's a lot more, in my opinion, diverse when it comes down to that. I guess, but it's just genuinely a lot better. Also. If you really want to talk about diversity and all of the things that you can do, or like all the things you can and can't do, Warhammer 40k, Dark Heresy, Wrath and Glory, you know, 
other RPG games that right. have already on day one just said, go do whatever you want to do. Just remember, this is Warhammer. This is Warhammer 40K. Nothing is nice in this goddamn game. <laughs> there are charts upon charts about how fucked you can be if you get close to something. Your character comes with a red shirt. Now then, that red shirt will either be your blood, or will either be stained with the blood of your enemies, or your blood. There is no in-between. So, the way that I'm, I'm taking this... Um, so bringing up bringing up the the articles about the orcs being racist this is argued by people that are looking at fantasy in such a surface level that i don't think they understand the the point uh, so in in the real world in the real world race isn't really a thing you have different diversities of skin color, but even that, like, that doesn't make somebody like an actual race. No, it's it, it's just it's just something else in the gene pool, and it's still able to reproduce and create humans. Yes. So, like, whether someone has has melanin in their skin does not determine whether or not that I'm able to reproduce this person or, or not. Like, no. it, it's. It's like a human is still a human, whether it's a Jew, a black person, um, Middle Eastern. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's all still part of this this same genetic pool. Yeah. In in fantasy, though, if if you want to be a human, and if you want to be a Jewish human, if you want to be a black human, uh, you want to be any of these things. You want to be. You can. You can be whatever human you want to be and so forcing this the the negative stereotype outlook onto like orcs like this like that like, it actually offends me that that offends me a lot because like orcs are something that i i think are just awesome creatures in fantasy yeah they're some of my favorites i fucking love playing as an orc uh in world of warcraft mm -hmm. and i i think in in Tolkien's universe that he created. Um, <sighs> now, in, in, in Tolkien's universe, we're going to kind of calm it down real quick. Sure. Because remember in the similar... I'm going to butcher this so hard. Orcs aren't fucking humans. No. And the way that Varg Vikernes tried reading in reading race into uh, the, the Tolkien universe was stupid. Yeah. Okay, Tolkien, Tolkien tried saying that the... The elves are representatives of the Jews. No, elves are just fucking elves, and you have to take it as that. Yeah. So in in in, in the way that Tolkien does write it, it's not like, oh, the orcs are the black people. No, it's the orcs represent industrialization. Every single time that an orc is mentioned in uh in Tolkien's works, they're always they always either have plate armor, they always have male armor. It's always something that's just mass-produced scrap metal. And I remember reading something about how Tolkien actually got that inspiration from going home to his village and realizing that there's this massive... I mean, there's this fucking factory that's just producing smog and what is happening to my beautiful countryside. He didn't like how rapid Britain was 
industrializing. So he wrote that down. Fuck in at 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 the end of the books. Frodo Frodo and the hobbits go back to the Shire and realize that oh shit. The orcs took over and now everything is industrialized and now the hobbits are fucking slaves. So they lead a slave revolt. Yeah. A slave rebellion more specifically. And there are awesome instances where it's like Frodo and Sam are just being badasses incarnate. Merry and Pippin are just being badasses incarnate. And they're angry because the Shire is basically destroyed. That beautiful Hobbiton just village is just gone. Because the orcs wanted more land to industrialize and mass produce these weapons. That is what the orcs represent. Mordor, every single time that you look at it, like fuck, even in the goddamn movies, every single time that the orcs are doing something, they're mass producing weapons. They're destroying the land in order to mass produce all of these weapons of war. The orcs are more technologically advanced than the humans are. Fuck, they make a goddamn sentient battering ram to bust down the uh, to bust down the gate of Minas Tirith. Yep. And, and, and fuck, even in the movies, the goddamn shock troopers, the goddamn trolls. They're in plate armor. They're in plate armor and they look like they're about to bust in some fucking heads. Yep. That was the most that that was in Return of the King will always be my favorite movie out of the trilogy. Like, holy shit. Just all of a sudden, whatever comes through that gate, you will stand your ground. Finally, the doors fucking break down. All of a sudden, fucking riot guard, <laughs> fucking riot, riot guard, uh, goddamn trolls bust through the gates. One of them just like, is like popping his hammer down on his hand. Like, all right, all right, all right. What's going on here, boys? <laughs> and just wrecking face through all of this shit. And it's just... The Tolkien's orcs don't represent black people. They represent industrialization and the and the perils and dangers and evils of industrialization. Fuck, even the humans. They aren't industrialized. You go to Minas Tirith and it looks fucking beautiful. The countryside looks beautiful. And then you kind of look over to Osgiliath and you see what the horrors of war are doing to this once magnificent city. It 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 is completely destroyed blackened on the other side you look over at rohan beautiful grassy fields horses all of that shit you look over at isengard before uh before saruman is uh, begins to create his urukai army and it's it's this awesome fucking courtyard of just beautiful trees and flowers and all of this stuff and it's like this place looks fucking amazing and then he industrializes and fucks up everything he breaks he he deforests an entire forest of of ents yeah in order to create an army that will go and beat up people and it's like you you feel bad because this forest was is beautiful and and you you listen to the ents wail because of of their their home being torn apart like yeah. that it's 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 it and it's heartbreaking to hear treebeer just let out this cry and roar of anguish and sorrow and heartbreak and betrayal because a wizard's supposed to protect the world and saruman didn't do that and that's why that scene is so heartbreaking 
because they destroyed an entire beautiful forest to make weapons of war. That is what Tolkien is trying to get at. And I mean, it's it's such a beautiful description of like natu- naturalism versus industrialism. See, that's the thing. Like, you get this. You get this because you you did the work, you did the digging, and and you wanted to be able to understand where Tolkien was going with the the storyline. These people that are that are at such a surface level, it's like, what are you doing with this hobby? Yeah, go find something else. Yeah. and I mean, if if you if you want. Okay, if you want something that has just humans, fine. You can have George R. R. Martin's work if you want to. I mean, there's a lot of incest in there. But... Yeah, you can you can take the incest if you want to. <laughs> I mean, you can't uh, you can't take Daenerys though. Like, I'm going to see Daenerys is mine. Like I I I want these people to leave my D and D alone because I, I think that there's something very rich in the history of the of the races in this game. And and people are just tossing that to the wayside. Um, oh, orcs are just bad depictions of black people. No, oh. and and it's it's really heartbreaking to see this. Um, it's kind of like when it's kind of like that that normie that thinks that Batman doesn't kill people when all he's really familiar with is like the the nineteen nineties cartoon. And um, the the Christopher Nolan films. He makes out with Black Canary in front of a pile of burning corpses. <laughs> like that, that, yeah, that from All Star Batman or Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, was the weirdest great, part. But Jesus, that was a great fucking book. But no, like like and not understanding, like bitch, no, Batman fucking kills. He made like, the hell suit. Yeah, yeah. And so, I I, I guess. This is kind of kind of sad to see Wizards of the Coast go to in a, in a direction here because like, yeah, I, I don't want I, I don't want um, people to be like unre like offended for a shitty reason yeah. with my hobby. But at the same time, though, it's like maybe if you're not going to be doing the the work to understand what you're looking at, this might not be for you. No, it. It definitely is. If you start looking for only bad things in the hobby, you're always going to find it because you're always going to fucking bend over backwards to ensure there is a bad thing to talk about the hobby. I mean, fuck, look at World of Warcraft. So when it comes down to World of Warcraft, the orcs honestly do have a tragic backstory. Yeah. Like if if you if you look at the actual backstory of the orcs, they were just a bunch of these clans that were living their lives on Draenor. All right, you had clans that were very shamanistic, believed in the elements, and were just trying to get by. They're just they, you can say that they're naturally warlike, but that only applies to a, only a, a handful of the clans. And it's just, you keep forgetting that the Frostwolf tribe, they lived in harmony with the spirits. I read the prequel to the Warcraft, the, the, the Warcraft games, where it's, it's Duratan and, o- and Ogrim and uh, Thraka, just before all, it, this, this giant culmination between all of uh, of 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 what is happening with Gul'dan uh, with Gul'dan slowly but surely becoming corrupted along with Ner'zhul. And you read into the backstory of these people and it's just 
kind of heartbreaking to see the fall of what can be described as kind of a kind of a savage noble. Like yes, on the surface level, they're primitives. But if you dig into the actual story of it, you'll see a lot of this good shit. Like Thraka used to be this sickly child. And then she was sent on this quest to retrieve all of these items by the head shaman of the Frostwolf tribe. And it's like, okay, in order for you to cure your sickness, in order to cure your frailty, I'm sending you out to go and do this stuff. So Thraka goes out and actually does all of these impossible tasks. Like, she collects a flower from the top of a mountain. She she has to get a tusk from one of the more dangerous creatures on Draenor. She does all of these things. And the shaman just tells her, all right, girl, put these into here. Okay, just 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 lay the ingredients right here. Like, okay. All right, now look into this mirror real fast. Oh, oh, what the fuck? Who who who's this person right here? That's you. Oh, all right, do you mean it's like a like a future representation of what I'm going to be? No, 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 Chica. Look at your arms. Look at your body. You are no longer this frail and sickly child. And one of the greatest lines in the Frostwolf uh, in the Frostwolf book that I was reading was Oh my God, Ogr- uh, it was it was Ogrim and uh, and Duraton talking to one another because they're still they're they're friends, and they said like Oh my God, that is a warrior born right there, my friend. And he's talking he's talking about Thraka as she's kind of talking to other orcs in the tribe, and she says No, that's Thraka. She is a warrior made because she went through all of these ordeals in order to get to where she was. And it's just, it's it's so magnificent, just of, of how deep the lore can be in Warcraft. Yeah. I, I want to give an, get an, an example of, of a story of, of orcs, too, uh, while we're talking about this. Uh, there's a book that I, I handed you, actually, mm-hmm. called Orcs. Mm-hmm. It's about orcs, mm-hmm. <laughs> written by Stan Nichols. Mm-hmm. And this is a book that was published in, it was being published during the 90s, and then in the 2000s, there's a, like a collected edition that I have. And this is, this is a pretty massive book. Oh, yeah. It, it takes a while to read, but it is juicy, and it's it's well worth it. Now, you have what is, what is known as the Wolverines. It's a, uh, it's a section of, of an army run by Janesta. And the Wolverines, uh, led by Strike, go rogue, and they find these these stars, these these artifacts, and realize, okay, uh, there's something connecting these these artifacts that we're finding. Let's find the rest and see what happens. Strike is given visions of of this beautiful countryside, and he's talking to this woman, this this female orc. Uh, and and getting to know more about this person during these visions. And it becomes revealed to them that what Strike was seeing was their actual home. And, and they are given this opportunity eventually to, to go back home because Janesta actually uh, took the orcs from their homeland to, to use them for her own bidding. Mm-hmm. And the orcs... They're not supposed to be human. 
But that's the that's the beautiful thing about this. They're not supposed to be human, but they still have some humanity to them, but they're still orcs. They they still have their own characteristics as orcs. And and you you read about these these orcs working together towards a common goal of being able to achieve peace finally and be able to live the way that orcs used to be able to do so before the corruption from Genesta. Yeah. And it, it, it created this this sympathetic story over these these shit brickhouse creatures that I think that people massively overlook. If you want a good story about orcs, go pick up that book. Mm-hmm. Take the time to read that because it it's just drenched in in great material. Um and so like I, I don't think that you have to depict orcs as savages, but even if they are depicted as savages, it doesn't mean that they're a, a representation of humans by any means at all. No. It's like they they're supposed to be their own beings. Yeah. And I think that needs to be respected. Yeah. So and while we're on that, because I know for a fact someone is going to bring this up at some point, there are also the orcs in Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k. Right. So let me give you a little bit of backstory on the Warhammer 40k orcs because I know them a lot more. So when it comes down to the 40k orcs, they were created as weapons by the old ones to fight against the Necron tier, which are the modern day Necrons. Right. And so they were basically keyed genetically by these super, you know, super smart toads in space. I'm, I'm just going to call them toads in space. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. And it's just and 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 they're sub, they're fighting against they're fighting against the Necron tier. They finally defeat the Necron tier, but then it's like, well, we we still want to fight things. Can can we fight those things? No, no, no! Don't don't fight those things. Well, there's not a lot of you left, so we're gonna kill you, and then we're gonna go fight those things. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wait, no, don't do that. Nope, too late. Doing it now. <laughs> and so it's it's and and, and and during that time, they start you know forming their own cultures based on all of this shit. And it's they're not they're not evil per se. They're just following what they believe they should be doing. And that is going out and beating up anything that moves to prove a point. Yeah. One of the things that, one of the sayings of an orc is always, you see, if we run away now, we can come back later and then beat them up again. So we're going to do that real fast, and then we're going to come back and beat them up. And I mean, if you look at it again, if if you decide that you actually want to delve into the orc lore behind these guys ORK by the way like they they still have a bunch of these different cultures behind them like for instance the fucking uh the f- fucking yellow suns uh, right yellow suns yeah something like that uh, fucking I, I i there's too many orcs okay but like they're they're flashy all right they have all of this awesome weapons because they always they have a lot more money and materials so they have all these flashy weapons, all of the highest of grade of tier, which is basically they strapped an extra vacuum tube to the rifle that shoots more bullets. Um, then, of course, there's the fucking Goths. They're the oldest, biggest, and angriest orcs that exist. They also don't believe in guns. 
So they beat people up the old-fashioned way with their fists and also sometimes a rock and also axe. <laughs> there is no... Okay, if you don't model your orcs with axes, you're doing something wrong. Then, of course, there's the ones that are the closest to humans in air quotes of unbelievable scale where they looked at humans and said, they're doing, th- they're, they're killing things, and, but they're being tactical about it. We're going to do the same thing. But that's not orky. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and so they sell themselves off as mercenaries to go and fight other things because they want to fight more things. But they want to do it tactically. The gods that they worship, Gork and Mork. Brutal but cunning, cunning but brutal. They want the orcs to just keep fighting. Just just keep fighting. It's in your blood. You were literally born to do this. Mm-hmm. Go and beat them up. There's no racist depictions of anything like that in, in, in when it comes down to the orcs. They are cockney British boys that want to go beat people up really fucking hard or shoot people really fucking hard or run them over with very fast bikes. And, I mean, it's super fucking cool if you look into the lore of the orcs. It's super fucking cool. The fantasy orcs, it's the same goddamn thing, except they weren't made by space lizards. They go out, they beat people up, because that's what they want to do. It's not because, you know, like, oh, they're an orc, so they're, they, 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 they automatically want to do... No, they, they do other things. Like, fuck, they even have shamans that say, like, you know what? I'm going to talk to my God real fast. I talk to my God. He wants me to go beat up people. Here we go, I guess. <laughs> Cowabunga it is. Cowabunga it is. Yeah, it's like, oh God, it's just, I don't, if you look for racist depictions and fucking races, you're always going to find them. In my opinion, the drow are just Persians, but they worship a goddamn spider god. The wood elves are, they're Native Americans that live in trees. The high elves, the the Byzantine Empire. But more knife ear. Like orcs, Mongols, Mongols but not Genghis Khan. Dwarves, angry Scottish people in mountains. (laughs) Halflings, stupid. Gnomes, die. Humans, (laughs) Humans, <laughs> yes. Gnomes die. <laughs> I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong. I'm going to kill the first fucking gnome that I see in any game. Like, no. Don't be a gnome. I won't be a... No. <laughs> I'm going to kill it. You're a lawful good paladin. I don't care. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> roll, a different, roll a different race. Orc, you can be an orc. You roll gnome, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> Bitch, I will punch you like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> the chaos gods are so... I mean, if the chaos gods are so big, why don't they debate me? I'm like, oh, <laughs> fucking whatever. I mean, shit, man. It just always comes down to the fucking culture. It will always come down to the goddamn culture. Wood elves are the... Uh, wood elves are wood elves because they believe... They, they they know for a fact that they're that forests are beautiful and they contain all of these magnificent creatures. So they're more in tune with the forest. Elves. Same same goddamn thing. They're 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 just they're just apparently better than everyone. And they know it and they feel it 
and they're just going to, you know, go do things. Well, I suppose. I mean, that's going to be able to wrap up the episode then. Guys, thank you so much for supporting us and listening in. And uh, until next time, fall damage. Yeah. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast Shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network.